What's up everybody? This is Marlin's in-game host Mike B and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond Marlin's UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. Welcome to episode 85, Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast, and I'm your host, Peter Pratt. And today, delighted to welcome an absolute stud onto the show. A stud. He's the host of the incredible Marlins hot stove show, and basically our eyes, ears, voice throughout spring training this year, part of Marlins radio crew. Kyle Seelap is in the house. Kyle, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Peter. Uh, thank you for the introduction. And uh, congratulations, by the way. Episode 85. You guys, uh, it's cool to follow what you guys are doing. So congratulations on that yourself. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's taken 85 episodes to, to get you to say yes, right? So <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Listen, it's great to have you on. I guess the agenda for this one is a little bit of a look back to, to 2020. Um, then really... We're going to lean on your expertise and your your eyeballs, really, from spring. You know, there's not been a lot of TV coverage. So we've, as a Marlins fan base, have really had to lean heavily on Marlins radio, which has been awesome as well, actually. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into who's hot, who's not, um, if there is anyone that's not. But we'll, we'll get into that. And then I guess we'll round up with, you know, hopes and, dr- hopes and dreams of, of 2021 uh, and what the season could entail. Um, but first, before we get into that, it's probably right for us to you know, dive into the breaking news of today, which is the Marlins have a TV deal. I think, you know, I think it had probably been wrapped up a few weeks ago, days ago, at least. But the Marlins have a TV deal. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubts it was going to happen. Right. No. But um, when you finally get the news and we're eight days out from opening day, um, those guys are awesome. They do great work. It's, uh, I don't ever get to watch them. Uh, of course, Dave and Glenn and myself are calling the game in some capacity, but uh, we don't ever get to watch them, but uh, we know them personally and we hang out with them and um, they're great guys. So yeah, happy that that obviously all got done for them for sure. Yeah. Agreed. I, there's still some reporting to come, I think, on that one in terms of the length of the deal, mm-hmm. I guess the the contract size and the annual uh, value of that. But there's been some numbers knocking around on on Twitter. However, yeah, but because they're back on TV, right? Everybody can watch. Absolutely. So, you know, good news. I it was never in doubt. Clearly, it was never in doubt. And it's going to be it's a rebranded Fox Sports Florida, right? So it's now going to be Bally Sports Florida. I do. You, for me in the UK, I, I've never heard of Bally Sports. I don't know what that is. Is is it a new entity? Is this something? Um... It's, it's gaming. It's 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 uh, it's gambling casinos. Yeah. Ah, got it. Okay, interesting connection. Um, we'll have to see. There's, you know, still the uh, the naming rights for the stadium, perhaps, or the ballpark, maybe up in you know up for grabs. Let's say, um, yeah. you know, could be interesting connection there. But you know, great news. Um, in advance of this this pod, um, clearly though, the the lack of TV deal uh, that had expired meant that 
really there was a limited amount of TV coverage for spring. So as I mentioned, we've really been leaning heavily into Marlins radio, which has been awesome. Yourself, uh, Gaff has been in, in you know, in, in mid-season form already. Oh, yeah. He's been on, Kelly Sago has been on, everyone's been, been running it. But one of the key things that stood out for me, Carl, I wanted to get your take on is I, I was listening to one of the games and it was you, just you yeah. in the booth, riding solo. <laughs> How hard is that to do to be calling a game all alone? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's difficult, but it can get boring at times. And maybe boring is not the right word, but when you feel like you have to have a conversation with yourself, and I would be the first to say that's not the most enjoyable listening experience. It's really <laughs> nice when you have somebody else you can talk to and you can have a conversation. You can spit ideas off of one another. Um, but I love it. I, I enjoy it. Um, you know, with all the protocols and stuff, it, it's probably best that when we were kind of on the road at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches this spring, I packed up the equipment. I, I produce and engineer those games all alone. and I do the play by play. So I will say seventh or eighth inning, sometimes my throat gets a little sore. Mm. Um, if, if, if you got to run to the restroom, and I mean, you mean you have to run uh, yeah. so you can get back in the 90 seconds that I have. Um, but, you know, again, I, I, I love it. It's baseball. Uh, I love baseball on the radio. I loved it growing up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great to, when I have somebody else, obviously. It makes it for a much more enjoyable experience. But, uh, hey, they say they, they summoned me to do it. And I say, um, ask no more. You don't have to. You don't have to yank my chain to get it done. So I'm there. There you go. And, and listen, how did you get into, you know, broadcasting, et cetera, um, you know, to where you are now? So grew up playing sports, grew up playing baseball, played a little baseball in college. Um, that dream quickly died. And I was conscious <laughs> enough of the fact that this is not going very much, much further. So I better focus on academics and stuff. You know, it's funny years ago, Oh man, it must have been middle school or early in high school. I think my mom or somebody suggested, I always wanted to be an athletic trainer when I was little. Then my mom or somebody suggested, hey, they need like a PA announcer for the little, the, the little peewee football team. And they'll give you a Gatorade and nachos at halftime. I'm like, okay. Well. And I just, yeah, right. <laughs> at that age, I'm like, all right, sure. Feed me and give me something to drink. I, I remember going up there grabbing the PA mic and just broadcasting the game. I wasn't saying it's first and 10. Like everybody, all these parents for the 14 year olds that were playing, were getting a full play by play from me with no experience, having no idea who it was to have the ball. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I grew up where I grew up um, uh, the, the New York Mets is who I watched. Mm -hmm. And I really idolized my whole life growing up, Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, and Keith Hernandez on television. Um, and then Howie Rose, Josh Lewin, um, Wayne Rendazzo, et cetera, on the radio. And I just remember falling asleep listening to those games every night growing up because there was like an affiliate in, 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 in the little village that I grew up. So I could listen to baseball on the radio. So, I, I mean, I knew I wasn't playing forever. I, I, I loved the idea of broadcasting and being engaged with the game. Um, not one to be selling tickets, uh, moving furniture in the ballpark. God bless those people because the organization doesn't function without them. But I always, I don't know when my heart got set on broadcasting, but I love sports too in general. I, I like, I love all sports. Um, so, I, you know, once I told myself, okay, this is like what I'm going to do. I never gave myself a plan B. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm doing this, I'm diving in. I, mean, I went to the University of Miami. 
I graduated in December of 2012. I got an internship with the Marlins in February of 2013. Uh, and I'm still fooling them today, Peter. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, you're, I mean, this, you're coming up to 10 years then, right? I mean, you begin the, you're getting a gold pen or whatever it is soon, or I don't know what, <laughs> what happened to 10 check. years. I think it's a blank check. I think that's what they write for 10. Yeah, no, right. So this Whoa. is my, this is my ninth, se- eighth year, ninth season. So wow. uh, next season, uh, uh, falls well uh that'll be my 10th season so yeah it, time flies by the way it's crazy well congrats to you on that and um we'll look forward to celebrating the 10 yeah uh, next Absolutely. next year what's uh what's changed you know when you look back at when you joined the organization in you know 2012 h- how much has changed what's changed i mean there's been so much probably but how would you summarize that you know i've always felt pretty insulated because I don't mean to deflect it by any means, but like when you're doing radio, especially when you're playing every day, you don't really see the ins and outs of what's going on. Mm -hmm. I have definitely gotten more involved in recent years. The organization in recent years has been phenomenal about being engaging and like including you maybe isn't the right word, right? But like when you're doing radio stuff, like we go to a booth every night, um, people stop by and say hello, but you're not really um, on the second floor of the ballpark working a whole lot. Like, like it's, 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 it's a grind. It's routine oriented with the manager and the dugout every day in the clubhouse. Get back upstairs, do the pregame show. You got the game. Glenn does the postgame. We go home. We do it all again the next day. But, you know, I mean, I guess I would speak more so in, in, in the new the new regime that has taken over with Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter. Um, very, very professional um it, it runs certainly like a business with a goal in mind mm. but with an agenda and um there's all the, the you know ultimately the goal is to get this team back to the world series and win another championship i i have just always i i am i've always kind of been like like no nonsense guy like i don't really goof around too much like if i'm here i, I just want to win and i want to win the whole darn thing my yeah. my interest level in the season ending october 3rd is really really limited um, unless somebody's sending me to like an all expenses paid vacation to like Sicily or something, I'd prefer to play into the postseason and win the world series. Like that's, I think, so I, I, I think out of all seriousness though, the organization, and I think it's like up and down the organization. I think everybody is on the same page. Like if you're here, like we're going to work our tails off to win the whole darn thing. And I truly believe just talking with other people like around the league that I've gotten close with, um, and organizations that do win world series mm-hmm. like it's not just what happens on the field like it's full-blown organizational the way you handle yourself as an entire organization which i think is really cool because then it's all said and done if you end up with a ring and you weren't playing but you feel like you're a huge part of it so yeah i i just think really in recent years professional approach it's it's business like it's no nonsense let's go we have a goal in mind we got a plan we're going to stick to it and off we go yeah absolutely uh for me you know across the pond, <laughs> you know, you know, watching the, you know, the new ownership group and how things are developed. It's the plan. The strategy was like, was really clearly laid out. That was the one thing that struck me. There was like this clear plan. We know yeah. what we're doing. We know what we're working towards. We're going to be transparent with the fans with what we're going to do. And I guess what we're seeing is they're executing that plan. Like it, well, it feels like they're on plan. And I agree with you. I, I think it's always hard in the organization. The franchise had a history of just kind of just like lingering and just couldn't get over the hump when it got over the hump. 
you know, they kind of fell back down. Mm. I, I think, I, I mean, we've said this so many times, Peter, it's like when, or, when, when the new ownership group took over and you're right, you have to be transparent with what you're doing or else you're going to get criticized when stuff goes south on you. But they said, here's what we're going to do. This is how it's going to be. The goal is always to win. But with that being said, we have to develop. And this thing has got to get built literally from the top bottom because mm -hmm. far too many times there has been 4A guys that have tried to play in the big leagues. It doesn't work. You lose seven of eight and then you're in the, then you're in the tank and your season's over. And that's just the God's honest truth, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, so that what they have done, and I'm, you've seen it, everybody has seen it now, they have put themselves in a position where Sterling Marte gets hurt. Magnery Sierra comes in and does a nice job, you know? does a nice job in the playoffs last year but 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 there's layers of development where not only do you have a hole to fill and you confident in that hole you fill at the major leagues if somebody goes down or if, but guys are also nipping on each other's heels mm -hmm. so like the guy that gets satisfied in single a and stops producing yeah. see ya yeah. same happens in double a man like this organization is loaded with talent and as soon as you get a little too comfortable, uh, you're either going to get a wake up call in a hurry or uh, you're not going to be happy with what ultimately happens because there's way too many good baseball players in the organization for guys that just sit stagnant. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we're going to I'll hit the pause button on that a sec because you've had a, a front row seat to some of mm -hmm. these young studs coming through and there is just waves upon waves upon waves of these guys. But before we get into that, and this is you know, really, that's the really exciting part for the Marlins right now. But let's look back very, very briefly on 2020. Um, we're sitting here one week away, effectively, from, from opening day of 21. But when you look back, how can you, how can you even summarize that 2020 season? What was the longest short season ever, um, but a crazy one? Yeah, I would say it was quite the roller coaster. You know, I mean... I shoot. I mean, you really do have to go all the way back to last spring when there was so much optimism for mm -hmm. we're going to have a full minor league season where our, some of our top talent is going to develop and play 100 and 140, 150 games or pitchers. Some of our starting pitchers in the minor leagues might not see them this year, but they're going to go make 20 starts. And then the whole thing gets shut down. We have no idea what's going on. They reconvene in July. COVID swing deals retool the entire 40-man roster basically to field a competitive team not only were they competitive they end up going to the postseason for the first time in 17 years so uh if they ever write a book on it it would probably be a pretty fun one to read you know Agreed. um but i i don't know like it's fascinating that in 60 games really major league baseball is a pretty small sample size but what they were able to do so quickly because and I, I've always said this too, when you like, well, it was way over 50% of the 40 man roster, they had to totally uplift and gave mm -hmm. it a facelift to just field a major league baseball team. And I just think that there's an expectation and I would be, I would be the first one guilty of this, like how the heck are those guys going to win? Yeah. But people underestimated what Don Mattingly is able to do as a manager and they, everybody underestimated what a team can do when they come together as one, because that was really important. That's all it took was one guy to be like, well, you screwed this all up for everybody else. Mm -hmm. X, Y, Z, screw this. We've got seven more weeks. This thing is over. You know, 
and really, we don't really know what happened in that clubhouse, but I can promise you from what everything everybody said, it's like, and of course the bottom theaters thing, you know, they mm -hmm. rode that and ride the wave. I, I get all that. But at some point in the clubhouse, there had to be um, like a, a community effort to be like, well, we've got one of two ways we're going to go. Either we have an opportunity to prove people wrong, but we've got to do this together. And it doesn't matter who comes through those doors tomorrow. If somebody is in protocol, there's a new guy on the team, we're going to welcome them and everybody's going to be an important piece of the puzzle. So I think, I, I really do think that was super important because if they were just kind of playing and new guys were in there every day and learning new guys' names, like I, but um, Don Mattingly and that entire team deserve so much credit. Crazy. I, I'm pretty sure that there were people coming out of the bullpen that, that Donnie didn't even know their names. I'm pretty sure that was happening. No, I think he said last year, uh, was Blyer or Hoyt or somebody, somebody asked him after a game, Donnie, I, I, I remember him saying like, well, didn't really know what he had, but he went out there and got three outs for us. You know? <laughs> so he was, I mean, they were learning about, you know, I've never seen him throw, but Hey, he got his three outs. So that's what was so cool about it. Like, ah, uh, yeah. how the heck are they going to win tonight? Oh, well, they go to the Mets after the rain delay on that Monday and they beat the Grom. So oh, yeah. That, that's beautiful. Stuff. yeah. Beautiful moment. I, I, that Mets, that Mets victory was just, I guess that just epitomized the Marlins. For, I think for that fueled the tank a little bit too. Yeah, me too. There was an expectation that, okay, you're going to get the reigning Cy Young award winner on a Monday at one o'clock. We got in eight hours ago. Uh, go get your butt kicked and come home. And it's like, no, no, no. And they Felt win. That way. And it's like, okay. And it was just continuously like, keep doubting us, keep doubting us. And then push came to shove. It was the end of the season. They were in a playoff position and they clinched. So that's what was sweet. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely was sweet. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it was a crazy 2020, no doubt. Um, we've then headed off into this off season with hope, optimism that, uh, you know, there'll be a normal season. Firstly, we're expecting 162. Everything points to 162 uh, returning. I guess old rules apply, seemingly, other than a few little ones sprinkled in. The DH right. isn't returning, which I think is interesting. Um, but during the offseason, you've been a busy boy, a very, very <laughs> busy boy, no doubt, because you've been hosting the, the new, I guess, the newly named or branded hot stove show, which has been awesome. And you have had a ton of guests, a ton. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at all of the episodes in advance of us talking. You, who, who haven't you had on is the question. I mean, literally everyone's been on. Yeah. Well, that's, what's awesome. You know, um, working with Jason Latimer and our communications team, you know, that's kind of another thing. We're kind of all in that together. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I host the show and, you know, you know, you, you, you're the, I'm the one that you hear, but if it wasn't for those guys. I, I couldn't execute any of that, you know, and they, um, they trust me to do it, you know? So, and I love doing it. I love talking baseball. Um, so yeah, we get a ton of guys on and well, we started at what, I guess, beginning of December, we did it every Monday or Tuesday night. On top of that, we do the beyond the basis podcast every couple of weeks that, um, Hopefully we won't slow down anytime soon unless we just run out of guys, but then we'll find more. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun though. There, well, there's, there's tons of guys. I'm sure there's tons in the minors and, and whatever for you to get into. So I'm sure, sure you won't run out of those, but it's been awesome. Just, I mean, literally, you know, Donnie's been on Mel. Uh, I mean, Brinson's on there. Alfaro, the Alfaro one I thought was um, 
was a really interesting one for sure. Sixto's been on, Miggy. I mean, literally everyone has been on uh, that we can you can possibly name. Um, when you look at those, or you think back to all these episodes, these conversations you've had, um, who, there's a couple of questions i got for you, but who surprised you most in those conversations? Which guy kind of stood out that kind of caught you a surprise in, you know, in a good way um, or bad way, I guess, but probably a good way? Yeah, I don't know if it was a hot stove show. It might have been Beyond the Bases, but Alfaro, for me, for sure, mm. was super open and transparent about how everything went down last year. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciated that because sometimes that stuff is terrible to listen to if it's just canned answers and questions the whole time. It's like, what did we learn um, by having the opportunity to ask Jorge those questions? And he could have just poo-pooed them, but he didn't. Yeah. Honest and raw about his answers, I thought was – um, I really appreciate that because, you know, that's, you know, it's not easy for guys to open up to somebody they really don't know. Right. I mean, um, I have a working relationship with all these guys, but it, it, it's hard to talk about your failures and what's going wrong constantly. So I um, was super appreciative of that. Oh man, we did. Miggy's always great to co-host the show. Um, you know, the one guy that continues to strike me every time I get a chance to chat with him, his professionalism is JJ Bladey. Mm. Uh, just a kid that is so professional and polished to me this is going in the wheeze but just a can't miss guy like even to this day when Donnie mentions that Michael Conforto comp there you just see it yeah He's the, the kid got to play in the big leagues but just feels like a guy that's not going to be off injured he's just going to go out there and grind out 145 um, 150 games a year hit 280 hit 25 bombs you know so to me that that's 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 a guy that like but uh god we have had so many but those two guys in particular as i think about it i loved the alfaro one in particular was mm -hmm. uh, was just really insightful and just really raw and honest like it was just it was it was great to hear and it was actually he was quite similar in his first media appearance um you know in the in the marlin zoom room it was quite a similar vibe and just he was very open and the vibe I got was he, you know, he wants it. He yeah. is willing to do whatever it takes to, to make it happen for him. And that was, it's great to hear. And, you know, I'm really excited for, for Alfaro this year. Really, oh. am. I'm really intrigued. And just on Bladey, what do you think there's a chance we see him in the 2021 season? Well, minor league season starts when, May? Yeah. May, June, May, June, July, August. If he can get 120 at bats a month and things are going well, look, if the kid hits his way out of, I mean, but where does he start? Like, that's, that's what I've been, does he start in double A? Does he hit his way out of double A into triple A? By that time, is it summer? Mm. Anything is possible. Yeah. I don't know, though. That's actually one that I haven't really thought about too much because, you know, He's presumably he's starting the season in the minor leagues at which level we don't know. Could they start him in Jupiter for two weeks and send him to Pensacola and then to Jacksonville to finish the season? Sure. But you've seen it before where guys just hit their way out of the minor leagues. And yeah. at some point they deserve an opportunity. Um, if there's a need, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, where does, you know, it's like in September, if the Marlins are in contention, contention, but Dickerson Duvall, and Marte are healthy, and let's say Magnery Sierra is kind of the backup. So you're not going to bring Blade up to sit the bench. You know, I think they've made it pretty clear that when these kids come up, they're going to get opportunities. Yeah. It, 
you know, if they hit their way out of the bind, the leagues are going to get opportunities. So only, you know, now that I've talked my way through this answer, I think the only way you see him this year is if there's a real need, because on the heels of no minor league development last year, the last thing you want is one of your top prospects to just come sit on a big league bench when he could be in triple A getting three, four bats at night. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, does it, right? I mean, unless no. there's clear playing time for him um, yeah. up with the big club, absolutely. But I don't think there's, you know, it long-term, it doesn't make sense. I don't no, think. No, but hey, but you know what? They could swing a deal in July for somebody if they wanted to. If uh, if a deal is swung for, I don't know, Dickerson in July and mm-hmm. Sierra's playing left field and come September when call-ups roll around, if he has hit his way out of the minor leagues, uh, no matter what position they're in, maybe it's a kid's opportunity. So you can see that too, but um, hard to see Marte, Dickerson, Duvall going anywhere if, they, if they're in the thick of this thing this summer. So, uh, yeah. But we'll see. You never know. 100%. And I mean, and we're talking about Bladey, but phew, bloody hell, there's so many outfielders. There's just so many up and down the organization. We've, you know, every every spring training game, there's seemingly a different outfielder putting on a show, doing something like literally every day, someone different. It's crazy just how many outfielders there are. I mean, clearly at some point that's going to create some problems though where you're going to have too much talent, not enough spots. So Yeah, but the best organizations out there, you load up your minor league development and you start developing talent, then you can start trading for big leaguers. Here's two or three guys for this guy that's got four years of team control. He might be a $100 million guy in five years. So that's, you know, and there is a lot of talk about the minor league system. Yeah. But you got to use those guys as trade chips sometime. You know, you got to be willing to give if you're going to get. Um, but that's a beautiful situation the organization is in. Well, they're in a position where guys, teams are going to come calling every July, maybe a team that's not in it. And they're going to say, hey, you know, we're really interested in these two minor leaguers. And maybe the Marlins are like, well, we are a half game up on somebody in the wild card right now with two months to play. We're going to take that big leaguer and give you these two minor leaguers. Hey, that's how the game works, Peter. You know, like yeah. that's how it works. You stockpile talent. You use that talent to get big league ball players, And that's, that's when, to me, when the machine gets going, that's how you create winning success and sustained success year after year after year after year. You draft well, you develop well, you stockpile talent. That talent produces in the major leagues. You have too much talent. You start to trade for other big leaguers. That's kind of, that's how you see it start to get put into motion and that's what you're starting to see now that's the blueprint right i mean yep. that's the blueprint for these miami marlins anyway in in my opinion you know i i don't see the marlins you know tv deal or not i don't see the marlins operating at that kind of real crazy money crazy contract kind of space like i don't i don't see us as that type of ball club i see it more like exactly as you you've outlined draft develop trade to acquire with with guys that are controllable at you know, less than crazy contracts, let's say. So absolutely. And I guess the the Starling Marte one was maybe the first biggie in some ways, where you know they made a, a deadline deal to get Marte, top-notch player, top talent, all-star guy, center fielder. I mean, and the and the dude has looked incredible in spring. I mean, Marte looks as hot as anyone 
in spring, oh, yeah. but you know, great signs. That's the type of deal you're looking for, right? Like a difference maker. You drop him in, a couple of years of control, you know. Yeah, I mean brutal. that was that really was all that was like an additional signing this offseason for them <laughs> when they picked up that option. Again, like you mentioned, this guy's a former all-star. He plays a heck of a center field, he can hit the tar out of the baseball. That's like a bona fide big leaguer. There's no questions about, well, is this guy going to be any good or not? Like, no, he's really good. He's yeah. an all-star and he's a huge part of our team. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really intriguing. Um, and like I said, we're going to get into some of the guys that have stood out for you in spring. Um, just one final one. It'd be wrong of me not to bring bring up the Kim Ang um, uh, appointment, uh, the new GM. You've got time to talk with Kim yourself anyway, but you know, speaking with Kim and just more broadly, what have you seen? What are you, what are you liking from, from, you know, her, you know, first, what, three, four months, I guess, but what have you seen so far? Well, a great baseball mind first mm -hmm. and foremost. Um, and what I really love is she's pretty, to me, the way I think, I think she plays things pretty close to the vest. She's very, very calculated, which I think is terrific. Mm -hmm. Um, and not just playing fast and free and seeing what you like. I, I think this is um, sit back and really evaluate, you know, don't make rash decisions, not to say they, they have in the past by any means, but you know, like, I think that's the type of GM she is and she's going to be, and I think she's going to yeah. be awesome. Just, you know, not, not just on a whim, like goodness gracious, this isn't going well. We got to do X, Y, and Z to get this thing back on track. I think she'll rely heavily on Don Mattingly to get a pulse in the clubhouse and she'll be in there. Um, she'll be with the ball club on the road and everything. I think she'll be a fantastic general manager, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Male or female, it doesn't matter. You know, and there's been a lot of GMs in the past. They might be fantastic and it end up doesn't working, but you don't, you don't know. But from my conversations with Kim and it was just one conversation for the, the, the radio show or the podcast um, love what I hear, you know, she, she earned this opportunity. She should have, gotten this opportunity years ago um but at this point that's neither here nor there and the marlins are certainly lucky to have her yeah you know uh, it's, a, it's the marlins gain i guess so uh you know happy days uh you you just mentioned something there and i was going to ask you about this as well you know speaking to the guys you know you've spoken to pretty much all of them what's what's the clubhouse pulse saying what's the vibe right now you know after a postseason birth in 2020 how are the guys feeling and going into 21 more of the same just you know keep developing you know you know, keep kicking on, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, unfortunately, we still don't have access inside the clubhouse this spring. Hopefully we will as the season goes along. Um, but everything we hear, and I mean, you're in a lot of the calls too. Like, mm -hmm. I think they have turned the page, you know, like I, I know some guys have mentioned bottom feeders and we're still out to prove people wrong, but I think that we have, we, they have turned the corner in terms of like, we're the lowly Marlins. I think that narrative is gone because yeah. of what they're developing, what they're developing. And I think, I think in the clubhouse, it's just all business. And I think there's a general understanding that like, we're good. I don't really care what anybody else thinks, but we know we're good. We think we're good. Um, and what good is talking going to do? It's not going to do anything. So let's just go out there and play every single night and just grind this thing out and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it, it isn't the Marlins of 2018 and 27, whatever it was, where, you know, we had to do what we had to do. And it was the lowly Marlins. We had, you know, it was the start of a process, but clearly everyone uh, knows what we have now. And they know the guys that are there and, you know, 
whatever you say, however this NL East plays out, which could be a bloodbath, but however it plays out, the Marlins, I think, will be in the thick of it. They may end up fifth, but they'll be in the thick of it. They may end up first. Who knows? It's <laughs> to... Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll to coin uh, Kinsler's phrase. Wins the division, I think somebody can win the division easily with like 87, 88 wins. Because yeah. I agree with you. It's just going to be a knock them down, drag them out fight for, was it over 70, got every, over 70, 70 games, I think, right, is in your division or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be nuts. Absolutely. So let's get into spring. You know, you, you've been there working, uh, well, a one-man crew uh, many times, seemingly. Um, but, you know, from, from a spring trainer perspective, uh, what's, what's been your key takeaway thus far, that, you know, in terms of whether it's a team element or a, a player or, you know, anything really? Well, I mean, it is hard to look at the wins and losses because it just doesn't matter, but it's encouraging that they're winning. I think Don even mentioned a couple of springs ago, it's like, well, you'd rather – win than lose right so you know i mean i guess on the surface like hey you know they're winning um i think the pitching has been really good i mean obviously there are some names that have popped up out of nowhere and now the question is how the heck are these guys going to be on the big league roster um couple i mean some really encouraging signs offensively too i think jorge has looked better this spring defensively and at the plate um Jesus Aguilar for me. Does he still have one strikeout? Uh, how many? I don't know how many he has now. Let's see. Yeah, he still he still got one strikeout this spring. You wow. know, for a guy that you look at his track record, well, maybe the maybe the whiff rate's a little too high. He's been really really good. But there's also so many guys that have gotten opportunity. I mean, Garrett Cooper's hitting what 387. He's sitting close to 400. John Birdie, a smaller sample size, he's hitting over 300. I mean, they've got four or five regulars that are hitting over 300. Starling Marte has been fantastic this spring. Mm -hmm. um, then there's been some young guys too. You know, for the longest time for me, and I'm sure you've heard it and Glenn has mentioned it too, I would have said Isan's got the inside track to make the team. Maybe he still does, but if that ends up being the case, Jazz Chisholm is not going quietly. No way. Um, he is swinging a hot bat. He is really good in the field. He is making whatever decision it is that they need to make really, really tough. I, if you asked me at the beginning of the spring, I would have said, yeah, Jazz will start the season in AAA. If Eason doesn't perform in the big leagues, you make a move to make your team better. You bring up Jazz. Um, and maybe that still is the case. But my goodness, Jazz Chisholm has looked really good. And not to knock Isan, by the way, Kim Ang was spot on the other day. If you look at what Isan has done this spring, he's hitting the ball really hard and he has run into some bad luck. Mm -hmm. Obviously the numbers, the statistics are not gaudy, um, but he's hitting the ball hard too. But to me lately, Jazz, Jazz has looked like a guy that has no interest um, in going to Jacksonville this season. He's playing really, really well and credit to him. Uh, absolutely it, you know what it's a funny thing um when i think back to last year when jazz came up and uh i i asked donny you know one of the the pre-game uh calls said to donny you know what's what's the plan with jazz is you know is he going to be up for a few days and go back and he just said listen you know jazz may just say to us i'm, I'm not leaving and he just may never leave and it may be that case where jazz just you know puts a stake in the ground and says nope I'm taking this spot. Um, for me, I think he's doing everything that he possibly could right now to, you know, it, it's a tough choice, no matter, you know, which way they go. And I think every indication says it's one or the other, clearly, yeah. um, right now. Uh, I think like, you know, like Glenn mentioned on, on the broadcast 
a few weeks back with with JP. I think they were talking about it some depth, um, saying that listen, it's Esam's job. Really, he's got nothing left to prove. But clearly, Jazz has come on strong since, and he's swinging yeah. the hot stick. So and I totally agree with him. Then I just yeah. watch what he's doing over the last three or four days. I mean, if and obviously spring is hard to evaluate, but my goodness, it's it it would be it, that's a tough pill to swallow. You know, if you're watching, it's like, oh, man, it's like you want to see him out there. You want Isan out there. You want both of them out there. How are they going to make this happen? But you're right. There's a decision that's going to be uh, that that's needed to be made. And uh, if it is Isan over Jazz, he's not going quietly at all. No way. What about from a, a rotation perspective? There's been a lot of buzz on Trevor Rogers. So what have you seen from Trevor? He's like really the helium guy, I'd say, from the pitch and the staff anyway. I think he's going to be outstanding and I think he's going to be in the big leagues for a decade. I think he's got the charisma and the composure um, and just the work ethic and the demeanor as a guy that is unfazed. If he goes out and gets his butt kicked or if he goes out and throws eight shutout innings, that's just kind of the demeanor I've seen from Trevor. And I really don't know him that well. I've chatted with him, but again, haven't really had access to the clubhouse to get, they know the guys even more personally. Um, yeah, I, I think the kid's going to be a star. I, I really, really do. Um, I think Sandy's been terrific. He's got to anchor the rotation. He's got to go deep into games. I think mm -hmm. Pablo Lopez can do the same thing. Yeah. I think Elisa Hernandez is a huge swing guy and a big question mark because if he can stay healthy, that's a guy that will go soak up six, six and a third, seven innings for you every single night. And a lot of, not, not a lot of hard contact against Elisa. He just can't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, um, so those three guys, Rogers and Sixto, um, boy, that's a heck of a rotation. Now, everybody's got to keep in mind that those five aren't going this entire season. There are going to be innings limits on Trevor, and there's going to be inning limits on Sixto. Can Elias or Hernandez stay healthy? Pablo and Alcantara are the guys that are your horses. You're going to run out there every fifth day. Mm -hmm. That's why they signed a guy like Gio Gonzalez. You know, that, that's where I would really caution everybody. You know, I, as, as exciting as this is going to be to start the season, there are going to be times throughout the course of the season where it's like, dang, he's not pitching because they have to watch these inning limits. Yeah. No, they many, you know, even if they pitched last year, they made six, seven, eight starts. Um, you're not just, if you're, even if you're in contention and by the way, they're stretching this whole thing out where they should be able to go the whole season, but there will be stretches where you might not see them for 10 days. Um, but you've got to be careful because it, if you're mortgaging your future on some of these guys who are going to be terrific starting pitchers in the big leagues, the expectation cannot be that, Hey, if you can go give us 28 starts and 180 innings, we'll be happy. Well, no kidding. Everybody <laughs> would be. But that, that's not the reality of the situation. They've made that clear, but it's something that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because you will see a Dan Castano. I think you will see a Braxton Garrett. I think Gio Gonzalez could soak up a lot of innings for this team this year. They will need nine at the very least starting pitchers. Yeah. So we'll see. But the, the five, by the way, I think are terrific. Um, I think down the road, I, I, I truly believe this and I understand how good Sandy and Sixto are. I think Pablo's terrific. I think Eliezer is really good. I really believe Trevor Rogers could be the best one out of all of them. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. This, uh, don't use, hey, by the way, don't use that clip for the beginning of this thing. <laughs> but but I, I, you know, I'm just from what I've seen, the kid to me just has the demeanor. He's totally unfazed. 
Um, my goodness, he looks like a grown man now out there. Mm. He's a horse. Uh, and if he puts it all together, I really think he can be the best out of the five. I really believe that, but we'll see. Love it. Kyle, listen, I, I've been all over Trevor this uh, offseason as well. I've been pumping him up everywhere. And everyone's mainly saying to me, you know, non-Marlins fans anyway, particularly the guys in the UK are going, who the hell's Trevor Rogers? Never heard of him, you know, yeah. as you as you wouldn't. But I saw it last year too. I was like, this dude has all the tools. His numbers got a little bit blown up because of one or two um, rough outings. But yeah. I, I watched him and was like, wow. Um, if that's going to be our fifth starter, I, there is no better fifth starter in in the whole of the in the whole of the league. Um, you know, I don't know how they'll line him up, but if he is going to be the fifth starter, let's say. Uh, but like you, I I'm equally bullish on Trevor yep. Rogers. I think I said he could be. <laughs> I mean, I had a few beers on board, and it was a it was a fun <laughs> podcast we were doing. But you know, listen, I think I said something like it's. They said who's Trevor Rogers? I went, it's Clayton Kershaw, but with a thicker neck. That was the description I gave. Um, so the- yeah, I mean, look, dude, like he's gonna—he's still young and he's gonna get his butt kicked around in the major leagues a little yeah. bit. But like Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and all those guys said years ago, the only way you figure it out is to keep on pitching. And I just, from my conversations with Trevor, which have been very limited, and I don't know him extremely well, I just love his demeanor. He just mm-hmm. seems like a kid that isn't gonna crawl into a hole when things go bad. Mm-hmm. Instead, there will be conversations and watching video with Mel about how do we get better. And he's not a guy at his age that he's not a soft toss guy that's going to try to fool you. No, if he needs a strikeout, he's going to blow it by you. He's got a wipeout slider. He's got a terrific pitch mix. Um, we'll see. Uh, I mean, we've put the curse on him now, right? I mean, clearly. Uh, yeah, we'll cool. see. But I think he's awesome. Me too. Who's going to be closing games this year, do you think? Uh, I think Anthony Bass. Yeah, I, 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 Donnie likes to have a closer. He does. Um, and I know that's always workable, but I love the bullpen mm-hmm. with um, Yimmy Garcia there, Dylan Floro, John Curtis, Ross Detweiler, a lefty. Um, you've got Bender in the mix now, Zach Pop, Paul Campbell. I mean, how big is our bullpen? We're going to have a 15-man bullpen here by the sound of it. There's too many guys. Yeah, they need to allow the whole 40-man roster. I, I, <laughs> I, I know I'm forgetting one or two guys there, but the key in the big leagues is can you shorten games? Can your starting pitchers go six innings? And mm-hmm. then can you get, what kind of bullpen do you have to get you through the last nine outs? If you got a one- or two-run lead in the seventh inning of a big league baseball game, it's really hard to play from behind. Like, if you look, look statistically – Winning after the seventh is not easy to do. No. So if you get your starting pitchers through six innings and um, Floro, Curtis, Garcia, Bass, those guys are veterans that just throw strikes. You know, they're not, they're not mortgaging the future again on a 21-year-old who throws 103 that's really not sure where it's going, but boy, it looks really good. No, these are guys, these are, these are big leaguers that know how to get guys out in the big leagues. And that's why they didn't get the flashy names this winter. Don't care. I love the moves that Kim Ang and her team made. Me too. I, I love what they did with the bullpen. There's just, I look at it, me and the guys uh, who, who do the podcast every week. Oh, we've, we've spent two, two whole episodes, I think, trying to work out who's going to be in the pen because... For us, there was at least 14 guys that could be in the pen, if not more. Like you said, you've got Bendermania going on. 
you know, there's two rule five guys in there that adds complexity. There's guys in there that just are nailed on. So, you know, these are the problems the Marlins have. They've they have not enough spots, too much talent. Like that's yeah. just the way it is. And you know, it's, you know, it's funny too. I, I was thinking about this the other day and I'm even comfortable saying it on the air, whether this team wins 85 games or 65 games or somewhere in between, to me, it's not a team that's going to lose by seven runs 40 different times. No way. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is a team to me that's ready to win and they're ready to win now. And no matter where they fall in there, there will be your five or 10 outliers a year, maybe 15. But like, this is a super competitive baseball team that can win and go places in the big leagues. Just with the lineup construction, there's a lot of stability, which yeah. is really important because now they've got Rojas who hard to just keep saying, well, he's probably tapped out because he continues to get better. Marte, an all-star, Dickerson, Aguilar, if Alfaro can put it together, Brian Anderson. These are guys that have been around a long time now. This is not a team to me that's going to go out there and just get their butt kicked up and down the field in a three-game series against the Braves or the Nationals or the Phillies. Like To me, this is a team that will be in every single game. Yeah, they're going to blow a couple in the seventh and eighth inning. Yep. Are they going to win a few in the seventh and eighth inning? That's a trademark of Don Mattingly baseball teams, by the way, mm-hmm. that you play to the final out. So I just love the way that the, the, the roster has been constructed um, because to me, it's a very, it's a team that will be competitive every single night, starting with a starting rotation. The offense that's added some power with Duvall, by the way, can't forget Duvall. Um, and then the back end of the bullpen. I love it. Yeah, me too. Who's just thinking about roster and, you know, clearly there's, there's some decisions to be made, but who have you got maybe as like a surprise guy that maybe won't make the opening day roster because there's no space right now, but who's going to be that surprise guy that ends up getting serious playing time in 2021 that maybe doesn't make it on opening day? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, Jazz could be that guy, right? If they, yeah, if I mean, they... that's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. If you look at the 40-man roster... <sighs> Boy, that's that's so hard. Like, there's guys that have been really fun for me to watch in spring training. Joe Dunan is one of them, but it's hard to anticipate him being an impact on the major leagues this year. Goodness, I don't know. If I'm trying to think about top prospects in the organization that make an impact this year, you know, I will throw one name your way. Oh. A pitcher. Nick Nider. Yeah. Well, you've, you've already mentioned it. We're going to need to lean on you know, lean on the extra starters. Do you think Nick could that's be one a, of those guys? Another, that's another calm, cool, and collected, level-headed guy mm. that got a little taste last year, had the bout with COVID, didn't see him again. Um, I, I, I think he's got a chance to be really good. And maybe they call on him to be in the bullpen, mm-hmm. but maybe he gets some opportunities out there and he keeps getting guys out. That's a guy to me where I think ultimately he's a starting pitcher down the road. But in some capacity this year, I think we see a lot of Nick Nider. Yeah, me too, actually. I, I, I like a lot of uh, what I see with Nick Nider. I think he just he just needs a, a run at it and a chance, really. And I yeah. think he, he could be good, really good. Yeah. You don't know, but that, that, that's a guy to me. It, position player-wise, that's really hard because they've got some guys that are so, so young. You know, if, if, it, if, this, if we fast forward six months and there was a minor league season last year, I would say, let's look out for Bleday. That's just mm-hmm. hard. But Nider, to me, is a guy that we really might see a lot of this year. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Um, a couple of other final little bits, um, and then uh, I'll let you get out of here. 
Um, who have you got uh, maybe as the Marlins all-star this year? And is there just one all-star representative? Oh, I, I, I'll give you a, you want to do like a, a pitcher and a position player? Well, the floor is yours. Uh, I could, I real. Oh man. <laughs> like I immediately think about Sandy. Um, you know, I'm going to say the, all, I know I, I think there could be multiple. Uh, I will go Pablo Lopez will be an all-star as a pitcher and position player wise. I think Miguel Rojas could be an all-star this year. Oh, awesome. I, I mean, think, that would I be think incredible. there have been opportunities and, and chances in that he should have deserved it. This is a guy to me that just plays a rock solid defense. You know, doesn't have some of the range that these young kids do, but Miggy gets to every single baseball. He is a funnel at shortstop. And all of a sudden he's gone from a guy that nobody thought would ever hit to hitting 300. Yep. That to me, if he puts together a terrific first half and he's terrific defensively and he's hitting 290 with five to 10 home runs. Now that's hard because there's so many good shortstops in the national league, but I could see him as a guy that, that, that gets in and that deserved it. Um, even if say, uh, Lindor is crushing it in New York and yeah, he's going to be the starter, but I think Miguel Rojas with a good first half should be an all-star. Love it. I'd love it. If Miggy, um, got that, uh, accolade, he, he, he deserve it. If, uh, if he gets it, he'll definitely deserve it because bloody hell, there's some, some serious short stops in the national yeah, league. That's the thing that it, it becomes like a fan favorite competition with the vote in process. Yeah. And you know, that can be hard, but I, I, I think he's going to get in one of these years. I really do. Awesome. I, I was going to ask you before, and I, I forgot to ask you, but I'll, I'll, it's kind of rounded it nicely into this because, you know, Miggy, he's in the last year of his deal, I think, this year. Um, yes, I, what I was going to say to you was, you know, listen, the Marlins now, you know, they may have a little bit more financial flexibility. They've got a bit more revenue coming in with this TV deal, let's say. Um, how, how do we think the Marlins maybe use that money? And what I'm in my head and what's kind of knocking around Twitter at the moment, um, which is always a good source of information is let's go and extend some of these guys. Let's go and lock in some of the young core, like a BA, a Sandy. And then also, you know, you, you've got Miggy to consider next year too. So what's your view on that? Do they think, you think they go down that path where they, you know, finally lock in some of this young core talent and, you know, sign yeah. them on him? Yeah. I, I don't know if you'll see, you know, the, the gaudy five-year, $60 million deal, but I could see three-year, $20 million deals maybe or something, or if there's yeah. five, six, $7 million players on your team, but you bring up some good names, Sandy, Brian Anderson, um, you, you're right. Uh, Miggy has a team option for 2022, so the team could pick up that option, something to keep an eye on as well. You know, it, even if there's spectacular Marte Dickerson Duvall they've got so many outfield prospects it's like how do you retain them do you really consider trading some of those guys to mm -hmm. fill a hole elsewhere on the big league club because if not like those guys are going to need their opportunities like at some point I mean you legitimately could see Jesus Sanchez JJ Blade and Cameron Meisner in the outfield even if Adam Duvall and Dickerson and Marte are still in the big leagues and producing. 
Because mm-hmm. that's the that's that's what's really tough to me. That's and the that's a great situation to be in. But the tough decision is, goodness, we think these kids are ready, and the only way to find out if they're ready is to give them an opportunity in the big leagues. But you, we've made really good deals with Duvall and Martin Dickerson. Now, not so you see that. I mean, that would be that's going to be interesting to see when the season's over. If those three guys are still with the club, that season's ends. You never know with trades and stuff. Um, if they had really good years, do the Marlins say, "Hey, we're in a position where we can we're we can win"? Um, but what we'll see that that would be tough. But you're right, Sandy, maybe a Pablo, Brian Anderson, guys like that. That maybe, hey, maybe let, let's lock them up for a few more years after their um, rookie statuses would be done and keep them around because they're yeah. darn good ball players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's I'm intrigued. I think it's intriguing. You know, everyone sees these splashy kind of free agent deals flying around and think, hey, I want a piece of the action. But I think the reality check is the Marlins are not going to be shopping at the top tier, that kind of, you know, 12-year, you know, crazy money contract. It's just not going to happen. Like, I, not that I can see anyway. I mean, I could well, be surprised. but Well, I mean, not, not right now, but like you mentioned, a new TV deal. That's bringing in X amount of dollars, right? Which presumably it's a whole heck of a lot more than it was before. They wouldn't have done a deal. Yeah, if they put naming rights on a stadium, if the team continues to win, people are trusting the new ownership group. Like Derek said, we're going to put ourselves in a position where if you don't trust us now, fine, but we're going to give you reason to trust us. People continue to trust them. That's going to generate more fans in the stands. That's more revenue and tickets. And ultimately, again, that kind of goes back to the baseball, the, the business side of things, where if that all starts to come together, and you do start to bring in more money, mm. you don't know in two or three years from now, maybe they are players in the next 10 year, $100 million guy. You yeah. don't know because like, as it, ridiculous as that kind of money is, Fernando Tatis Jr. might have a Hall of Fame career. You know, and you're, you're right. I mean, the pandemic and everything has certainly um, put a lot of teams in awful positions financially. But let's see what happens when we get back to normal here. I wouldn't ever rule an ownership group um, out on stuff like that because as the business side continues to grow, new TV deal, naming rights, more people in attendance, we're making more money, money's coming back in, we're in a really good spot as an organization, we're winning, people love what we're doing. Oh, and by the way, we're going after the big name right fielder this offseason who we think could be here for the next decade. You don't know. Yeah. Hey, you have no idea what they might offer somebody, really. Absolutely. Hey, uh, one one thing I was going to ask, uh, you, just when you mentioned the Mets uh, earlier on, that who you followed, uh, the Marlins were yeah. were playing the Mets yesterday, mm. and um, one of the one of the kind of funny, I was watching it on the, it was the Mets broadcast um, covering that game, <laughs> and uh, one of the funny aspects of that, there was some, you know, there's fans in the stands, right, um, mm. which we haven't been used to. And the fans that were in the stands yesterday were having a lot of fun. I will describe it as there was a, a cluster of guys that were a few Budweiser's were being sunk was the, uh, the rumor, the Mets, the Mets yeah. guys were having some fun with that, but you know, t- that fun aside, which is, it was funny. Um, what's it been like, you know, seeing fans back Does it feel kind of weird almost to have like fans back in attendance and uh... people cheer. I, I guess it feels a little weird, but it almost feels normal again. What yeah. was with going to empty ballparks last year, you know, and just pumping crowd noise and 
you know, that's just stinks. I mean, the guys even said too, we want to see our fans back. And that would have been so special for the fans of South Florida to see that last year kind of all transpire. Um, And however many, it doesn't even matter however many people come into the ballpark this year um, to see fans on opening day will be to see thousands of fans on opening day cheering on the Marlins will just be spectacular because it gets everybody's juices going a little bit, not even the players on the field. You wouldn't imagine, we can't believe what it does for broadcasting crews. When you feel the, you feel the energy instead of white hum noise in an empty ballpark, you know, like that stuff goes a long way. So um, it'll be awesome to have folks back. It'll be awesome. It will. It's a sellout as well. Right. I mean, most, you know, I'm not sure the last time it was fully sold out in Marlin. I mean, there's a capacity limit, so but it's a sellout. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. That's awesome. Let's let's keep it up. You put however many X amount of thousands of people in that place, and those fans get going. It's loud. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. All right, cool. Couple of uh, final ones, and then uh, I'll let you get out. How do you see this juggernaut bloodbath NLE shaking out? I mean. It's really, it's a tough division, but how you see a shaking out of 21? Oh, man, it's who stays healthy, really. I mean, to me, everybody's on equal footing in terms of a starting rotation. Um, you know, boy, we could be here forever, but I, I immediately think, I, I was probably, you probably heard it the other day, I was talking about the Nationals, and I think for some reason a lot of people have counted them out. Yeah. Uh, don't ever count out Max Scherzer. Don't count out a healthy Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, John Lester, and whoever gets the fifth spot there. Um, Atlanta is the king of the division. Somebody's got to beat them. I saw Kyle Wright got option today, but yeah. they have a heck of a rotation. They went out and got Morton. Um, you know, Mets, DeGrom, Stroman, Peterson, whoever else they have in their rotation. That might I, I understand Jacob DeGrom's fantastic, but that might be the rotation in the NAG, National League East that's a little bit gettable. Them and the Phillies, to me. Yeah, um, but the Mar- to me, the, the, the three teams, the Marlins, the Braves, and the Nationals, when I think starting rotations have the deepest rotations, I think. Yeah. Um, there's some good offenses, though, like that Braves <laughs> there, offense. There is. As a matter of Cy Young is pitching, that Braves offense seems to be able to score five, six runs a night. Uh, Mets will probably be better with Lindor if Alonzo's back. Mm. Nationals added Bell and Schwarber. I mean, if those guys start knocking balls out of the ballpark, all of a sudden they're putting up two, three quick runs. It's going to be tough to beat them. And the Phillies, I mean, they got Harper and Real Muto and Hoskins, and uh, they, got, they brought Didi back, right? I think yep. so. You know, uh, that's a good team, too. I, I don't know. I really don't have a guess as to who comes out of it. All I know is that whoever stays the most healthy, because you're right. I mean, these teams, there's going to be seven to six games and there's going to be two, one games constantly. And you're going to be like dogs with their tongues out at the end of the year panting because it's going to be tough to get through. Yeah. I, I've no idea how it's going to play out and I could see the Marlins. The beauty of it though. That's awesome. I think there's other divisions in baseball where it's like, Okay, Dodgers, Padres in the West. We'll see who comes out there. But okay, I'll take the other team to win the wild card. Yeah. Central, I think the Cardinals. Uh, I think the Brewers might have a decent rotation, but to me, the Cardinals are above and beyond better than everybody else in that division. Uh, National League East, we've talked about. Uh, American League East, I, I, you know, Yankees, Yankees and Rays, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, but the Yankees are really Blue Jays really are strong too in there, right? Right, 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 right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So I did see Springer went down or something, but you're right. Blue Jays are good. Can they pitch enough? Um, we'll see. American League Central. That 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 the White Sox, if they're healthy, that's yeah. a really good baseball team. American League West. I never count out the Athletics, although half the time people don't know half the names on their roster, but they are unbelievable. <laughs> they just go out and win 90 games a year. So, but that's what's fun to me. The National League East. It's hard to sit here and say. Well, we're just going to try to finish second because nobody's going to beat the Braves, right? Or no, who the heck's going to beat the Nationals? No, no. Let's see how it plays out. There's some good ball clubs. I'm with you. I'm with you. So final question for you, Kyle, for a, before we wrap up here, look into that crystal ball of yours. I know you have one. Look <laughs> into it. Describe the Marlins 2021 season in one word. Whew. <laughs> Relentless relentless love it love yeah, it i do i i just um i i do think a lot of people will count them out again uh they just don't seem to give in to that narrative um and a lot of really good veterans yeah and i say relentless because there's a lot of guys in there that have always been counted out people wanted to count out jesus aguilar after a down year a couple of years ago mm-hmm. nobody's ever given brian anderson a shot people are down and out on jorge alfaro you know i mean the list to me kind of goes on and on there uh, I, I do. I, I think they're just going to grind it out every single day, every single day. Love it. Perfect summary. Oh, Kyle Seelaf, that is uh, that is us probably about an hour, which uh, I think we did well. I think we probably could have done two, but we'll we'll wrap <laughs> it up at one. Um, for anyone that isn't following you on Twitter, where can they get you on Twitter? I, probably everyone is, but just remind people where where they can find you. I think all my social accounts, my first name, Kyle underscore Seeloff, S-I-E-L-A-F-F. I think all of them. Although I don't do much on Instagram. I used to take a few photos, but I stopped that. But uh, Twitter, I get all my news off of Twitter. I'll tweet once in a while. But most importantly, follow the Marlins radio account because I enjoy running that and uh, working with Dave and Glenn on that kind of stuff and putting our highlights out throughout the course of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, who's who's running the Marlins radio Twitter? Is that you? Yeah, yeah. Glenn and, I, Glenn and I used to do it together. I've kind of just done as much as i possibly can Jeff's a busy man so i'm i'll take care of the radio a twitter account good man good to know uh carl sealoff that has been a lot of fun i appreciate you taking the time um hopefully we'll find find time for you to come back on in uh you know some point in the season It'd be great and have a, a mid-season review so thank you to you buddy listen keep the content coming keep the fire coming it has been the podcast everything is is just top top notch it is so great and I absolutely love the way the approach that, you know, the Marlins comms and PR guys are taking, you know, giving us access to the guys and, and you do a great job steering that, mate. It's been, it's been fantastic. So well done to you. Um, absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And make sure you come visit us soon, Peter. hundred percent. It, it is going to happen very soon. Uh, we just need to get this COVID thing under control, but absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be out there very, very soon. Looking forward to that. So that is it for episode 85. We are back on Tuesday next week, and it's going to be a five-man rotation for Tuesday. We are going absolutely all in on our predictions pod. So until then, guys, stay safe. Go fish. Go fish.